ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the Go Live podcast. The Go Live podcast is where we discuss the successes, failures, lucky accidents, and overwhelming odds that our favorite content creators have faced along their personal journey. So let's dive right in. All right, so real quick, Ben, why don't you just give us all a, a real quick idea of who you are and what you do and the platforms that you are currently pushing out all of your content on? Who I am and what do I do? Yeah, your pitch. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm Ben Bowman, uh, or Professor Broman, as you may know me on all, everywhere else. Uh, I stream on Twitch, I do YouTube, uh, I have a podcast, uh, and I also am the charity director of GuardianCon, and I am the co-owner and CMO of Kings Coast Coffee Company. Oh, buddy. All right, so when so did you start? What I do. Yeah, when did you start streaming on Twitch? Or is that the first thing you started doing, in fact? Or was there something else uh, before? Yeah, no, I started streaming on Twitch about five and a half years ago. Uh, almost six years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I got interested in streaming on Twitch because I saw the Hurricane Sandy-thon uh, marathon to raise money for the victims of Hurricane Sandy uh, on Twitch through StumbleUpon, which was an old Chrome extension that... Uh, <laughs> that used to land you on random websites. I saw that. I was like, wow, these people are playing video games all the time. This is freaking incredible. Let's do it. Like, I can't I wanna, believe you found StumbleUpon through, or Twitch through StumbleUpon. That's awesome, first of all. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's insane. And so you were, you were watching, I guess you were watching this charity event going on. Was it like someone raising money or the money being poured in or the games being speed run? What was it that kind of drew you in at first? Uh, it was, it was the, the instantaneous access to a community that loves the things that uh that you love right like it was around the same time that everybody in the technology space was trying to build digital communities outside of like tv shows so it was around the same time that it was like watch your favorite tv show with an app um that you can use to connect with the community but on twitch it was the tv show and the app all in one web page mm -hmm. so i thought that that was really cool uh, and it made me want to like quadruple down on on being involved. Wait, so it's the it was the tech behind it that got your attention? Yeah, so yeah. That's actually the, really interesting. Uh, I've never heard someone mention the that. technology to drive community and interaction stood out to me uh, and made it much more appealing. You know, it just I mean, it just made it much more appealing to me than than just doing content on YouTube. I'm curious. So like, since this was like five or six years ago, obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we can say, you know, yeah, this, this thing was going to blow up six years from now. But at the time, did you think that as you were looking at this new tech, did you think this was going to blow up, that this was kind of the next step in terms of interactive entertainment? Yeah. Oh, really? Fully believed mm -hmm. it? 100%. What made you so uh, convinced? Because everyone was trying to do it and failing. And Twitch was trying to do it and obviously succeeding because it was working in one of the most tech critical markets uh, and hyper critical toxic internet ecosystems gaming uh, so if you can create something that gamers like uh, to interact with each other uh, and you can win that market battle which is fucking impossible to do uh, especially you know six years ago when when the entire uh, you know internet ecosystem around gaming was pretty much esports forums and 4chan which were just yeah. uh hotbeds of toxic garbage uh and and yet twitch had produced this thing that was so positive and it was a hundred percent because it was giving people enough access to each other 
that they were starting to discover that they were human, uh, that everyone on the other side of the screen and every other username was a person. Uh, so yeah, I had no doubt that when I saw what was happening on Twitch, that it was absolutely going to be uh, uh, a core change in the way that people consumed media, 100%. So it sounds like at the time you were already sort of hyper aware that you know gaming culture could be kind of toxic. Some of these online communities could be toxic. And so what this sounds like is that you saw the antithesis of that on Twitch, the where communities are coming together to support each other and, and raise money for charity. And that's sort of what drew you in initially. That is what caught your eye. Was that being the antithesis? I mean, of the, that the and the, the charity movement? and the connectivity and the ability to actually, uh, you know, be around people who liked what I liked, which was single player games. You know, I, I started poking around and found folks speedrunning Final Fantasy and things like that. It made me incredibly uh, excited. Okay, yeah. so as you were looking at this, give me an insight as to what your life looked like. Wh who were you? What were you doing at the time when you sort of first discovered this, or maybe briefly before you discovered it? Uh, what was I doing before that? Uh, I worked as an in-home care provider for adults with uh, physical and intellectual disabilities. How long did you do that for? That job, uh, that style of job, I had for about four years. Uh, I had three different capacities in three different locations in the United States, but yeah. Um, that's basically was my last job before streaming. Mm -hmm. So when you jumped into streaming, when you saw this and you decided this is something that I want to do was for it fun. for fun? Was it sort of a, did you have this idea in the back of your head? Like, I think I can turn this into a full-time gig or were you totally convinced that there's no way this could work out? It's just a hobby thing. Not at all. How far were you into streaming at the time when you did realize that it could go beyond that? Um, I noticed an uptrend and uh like i guess i <laughs> instinctual statistics right like i don't know any other right. way to say that i saw the trends that were happening on my channel and compared them against the trends of people who were getting partnered and saw there was a similarity um so i knew when it was time to shoot my shot and so when you say shoot your shot you mean just putting content out there or doing something special? Uh it was time to no it was time to find a space in my life where I could make room to to stream, you know, uh full time, you know, actually 40 hours plus a week and and see if I could get partnered. And this was back when getting partnered meant you had 500 concurrent viewers and getting a sub button meant you had 1000. Right, much more challenging back in the day. Mhm. Mm how long did it take you to get to that point, a partnership? It took me, uh, I got partnered in nine months. So nine I started months. streaming January uh, and I got partnered in August. So do and you then think... I got my sub button in September. Oh, those were separate? Yes, they were. Oh, okay. I guess just, all right. All right. I guess I have it easy then. Okay. Everyone um... does. Agreed. Not um, to not to say, uh, you know, uh, not to not to be like, oh, walking up both both, <laughs> you know, hill both ways. But no, things were dynamic. Like, things were it truly was different, were functionally yeah. different because the site was new and everything was manual. Oh yeah, and so I'm I'm very curious. At the time, as you were sort of growing your channel, this this nine months prior to getting partnered on Twitch. Was there anything you felt like you were doing different or special from the other broadcasters on the platform? Um, I was focusing uh, I was focusing on community over content, and I was focusing on 
uh, providing entertainment. So like a lot of other people were, you know, they're trying to be funny and like everyone will say the word community. So I'll drill down to that a little bit. Um, I was part of the speedrunning community. I guess I still am because, you know, like I still watch the marathons and I'm still in, in contact with all my friends there. Sure. But, uh, you know, I started streaming the speedrunning community and in the speedrunning space, like ev- there wasn't really a lot of people that were standout entertainers. Everyone was game focused. So I like speedrunning for fun to try and do my best, but I liked entertaining people more. So inside of that community, I feel like I filled a niche of, of being entertaining. Uh, and as my channel grew, you know, if people wanted to come watch some stupid antics while watching a speedrun, I was kind of like the place to go. Um, and then obviously like having a positive bent on things was different because the speedrunning community used to be incredibly toxic and existed 50% on SDA forums and 50% on 4chan, which was not a super fun <laughs> life for me. But um, uh, I mean, from like a community standpoint, but I think that that was a standout thing. They're like, oh, well, this guy speedruns and he doesn't get salty. He doesn't get pissed off. Um, you know, he doesn't hate himself. He doesn't, you know, it's like, whatever. I always went out of my way to do those things. And I also went out of my way to educate all the time. Every question anyone ever asked me, I answered about the speed run, even if it meant I answered the same question a hundred fucking times a day. Right. So this sounds to me like, and I, I guess speed running is a little bit different now. And I guess, suppose it used to be, but it sounds like back in the day, five or six years ago, the speed running community was, I guess, lacked the flamboyant personalities. Is that correct? Um, there were still some great personalities out there. There were people like Trihex, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I, I compared to Trihex, like I had a different schedule than him. Okay. Um, and I didn't play retro games. I played a more modern game. So, uh, I, I definitely wasn't like isolated in the field in that way. Uh, it was just that there, it was scarce. Okay. That's fair. And now real quick, uh, can you recap with us streaming speed runs during working hours during the United States working hours? Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, like scheduling the time slot is super important. And can you real quick recap yeah. what you were speed running at the time? Borderlands two surgeon simulator dishonored final fantasy six, uh, and uh, Skyrim. Oh, really? You were speedrunning Skyrim, huh? Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Oh, okay. And Surgeon Simulator is also one I've well, actually like less than an hour. It's like less than an hour. Surgeon Simulator is like three minutes if you get it perfect. Less than that, you get it wow. super perfect. It's <laughs> actually dope. You were streaming all of these, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how anyone in the speedrunning community does it. So I have huge, huge respect for you guys. That's awesome. Did you have anyone? in particular in the speedrunning community or really, and we can branch this out and make it a little bit more broad, but anyone in particular in your career as you just got started with streaming that stepped out and sort of helped you along in your journey? You feel like a, maybe a mentor or someone who was there for you? The first friend I ever made streaming was Cherno. He still streams as Cherno underscore TV. And he's probably the closest thing I ever had to a mentor, but I don't like mentors. now why is that because i'd rather learn it myself because i don't think anyone's going to be able to teach me better than me um and when you take on a mentor you take on all their vulnerabilities as well and i don't like that i want all of my mistakes be my mistakes um i don't want them to be my mistakes because i blindly trusted someone else it's a vulnerability. Like everybody says, like you learn better when you learn with a mentor. But I'd rather fucking die than <laughs> than 
just teach myself. Like there are people whose advice that I like, I listen to people's advice. I read books, you know, all that stuff. But like someone sitting down and like actually mentoring me and telling me how I should live my life instead of me navigating that path myself. Like I'd rather eat glass. Sure. I, I mean, I actually understand that. That sounds like a very core <laughs> value of yours, right? You just, you want to learn yourself. The more violent my metaphor gets around something, the more strongly I believe it. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's let's refrain from the word mentor then. Is there anyone in particular that stood out that you feel like influenced you in some capacity or in a great capacity, I should say? I mean, no. <laughs> like I'm I'm really not going to have the answer that you want me to have. Interesting. Uh, okay. Like like uh like I didn't like I didn't I wasn't that kid, right? Everyone else on Twitch was like, "I started streaming because I watched X broadcaster and they inspired me." I started streaming on Twitch because I wanted to raise money for charity. What inspired me was AGDQ, which is 10,000 different people, but that event inspired me. There wasn't a single broadcaster that I was like, damn, one day I hope I'm X. Um, okay. Because it was never about that for me. I didn't, I, I'm, I am independent to a fault. Uh, there was no one who inspired me, no one who informed my decisions, no one who, uh, who really like made me rethink the way that I did content for like the first until I started doing it full time and I had to start looking at other people's practices from a business standpoint there was absolutely nothing anyone else did that informed my choices all right that's fair I mean I like the sound of it you, <laughs> I, I know it's I'm true. a little you want me to be honest this is yes. the most honest I'm gonna get Yes, I want you to be honest. And that's interesting, though, simply because a lot of people and you hear it all the time. I'm sure everyone comes into Twitch nowadays and has, has for a while now saying like, you know, I looked up to XYZ person. You don't often hear someone say like, no, I just really wanted to knock this out of the park for charity or to raise money for XYZ people or whatever it may be. That's like, I thought it was cool. Other people were full time. Like I aspired to be like them, but they didn't like inform my decisions they didn't inspire me to become a broadcaster if that makes sense like sure. i think there's a hard line between those two things i was like oh they're full-time i want to be full-time too after i made the choice but um you know it was never about like emulating someone else all right fair enough now you mentioned i think uh sgdq or something similar as in terms of like a moment or a memory for you do you have anything that's not related to the GDQs that sort of stands out to you as a part of your journey as you were sort of learning how to do this? Anything, anything else that kind like any other events that stood out? It doesn't necessarily have to be um, an event. What I'm, what I'm aiming towards necessarily is just sort of a, a memory or a moment that just stands out to you in particular in your life um, as a part of streaming, as a part of this journey. The moment that I knew that I was all in personally on what I was doing was the moment that I woke up at 8 a.m. and found out that my ex-wife had left in the middle of the night without saying goodbye to me. And I made a cup of coffee, uh, you know, stepped outside, enjoyed some like nice fresh air, and then walked back into my room and streamed for 16 hours. Really? Is that something that you talked to your, your stream about when that happened? I talked to, no. I mean, I didn't talk to them about that for about a month and a half um, because I don't believe in puking feelings on right. social media. Uh, I think that that's, that's uh, not what people are there for. Um, you know, I waited until I was done processing what had happened to me before I spoke about it. But yeah, like, so there was like a month and a half that, you know, of my stream where, uh, you know, my ex-wife had left. And I think that 
you know, and I'd already streamed full time. I was already streaming full time, making more money than I was making at my old job. Um, you know, and I was actually streaming only 40 hours a week and taking two days off every single weekend, which is unfucking heard of. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that relationship still fell apart because of a bunch of reasons that didn't really have a lot to do with me. But yeah, I mean, that is the moment for me that I, I, I feel like I, I took complete and absolute control of my life in that moment. Um, because some people have been through the same situation and they completely fall apart or they give up or they just can't handle it or they move back home with their mom and dad or whatever. And if that's something that if you're listening and that's what you've been through, that's fine. Um, but one of the things I stand for as a person, and I do this through action throughout my entire life is that you don't have to do what everyone else does when bad shit happens. You can be the person that says that sucks. I'm still going to do what the right thing is. And for me, the right thing was making the choice to depend on myself and build my own future instead of letting other people or this one person in particular control any of my life anymore. Do you feel like the, this, this traumatic event that happened to you, do you feel like it changed your mentality of your, of your business, of your brand of streaming? Or did you just keep doing the same old, same old? Or did it, did it just did it no, light No, that a fire? was more of a personal growth moment for me. So is there anything in particular still tied, tied to this sort of event since you said you kind of had to bottle this up and deal with it for a month or so? So is there anything from this event in particular that aside from the actual happening of it in, in, that in and of itself, as you were streaming that it just sort of occurred to you that like, this, I can do this. This is the thing that I want to do. I'm still going to pursue this no matter what. When was the, when was the comeback from that moment? I don't know. I, like, I just feel like it's still happening. Well, that's fair. That's, that's fair enough. I was just wondering if there was maybe, maybe you just sat down and you told, told yourself, you know, screw this, man. I'm not, I'm not going to let this bring me down. And you convince yourself. And from that moment forward, you know, maybe personally things changed or whatever it may have been. Well, like I, I mean, like I said, that, that moment was when I felt like I got control of my life. Sure. Complete and absolute control of it. And I haven't ever really let go. <laughs> no, I like it. That's actually fantastic. That's awesome. And I'm hoping anyone who is listening who may struggle with anything similar um, this, this is a decent lesson to learn here. Um, you have an opportunity to take control of things when they fall apart. So that's very good to know. Let's, uh, let's spin this energy in sort of a different direction then. So aside from, you know, talking about anything negative there, what actually mm -hmm. inspires you or drives you or motivates you to keep you going each and every day? Is it to educate people on pieces like that? Is it to continue to raise money for charity? What is it that really drives Ben? I want to make the world a better place through everything that I do. So you want to make the world a better place through streaming on Twitch, through coffee, through your charity events? And, how and do you... all my social media interactions with people, the fact that I answer every single DM that someone sends me on Instagram, the fact that I have a less than 24-hour turnaround on every email I get sent, business or otherwise, everything. Ah, okay. I like it. I dig it. So then how are you, how are you making that, or how are you, so to speak, making the world a better place with each of these different brands? What are you doing that's, that's driving behind each of those that's, that's keeping that core value alive? I mean, uh, so for Guardian Count, it's really obvious. We raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Yeah. Uh, we've raised $2 million the first two years. And we've already raised $810,000 this year. Um, and uh, the, the long-term goal with Kings Coast is to provide priority hiring for adults with physical and intellectual disabilities and combat veterans. So... Um, uh, and that's on the, that's on the front end side, people we employ on the back end side, we want to, 
uh, provide economic lift and security as well as education and, and hospital services, things like that, as much as we can to the farmers who grow the coffee that we sell. Those are long-term goals, um, which, you know, none of, none of which have realized yet, but like that's the long-term plan with King's Coast. Sure. All right. And then, so those are your, those are your three main ventures right now. King's Coast, Guardian and your own, your own brand. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there any, any like, I don't, don't tell us any secrets or anything like that, but is there anything else you maybe talked about on stream that you're starting to work for in the, in the future? Here? Uh, yeah. I mean, we are, we are uh, actively looking at opening up uh, and these, these are long-term projects, but like uh, a barcade, which is like a gastropub bar, uh, which is also sort of transforming to something that might be more like a mid-sized esports arena that has a bar that operates out the front of it. Oh, okay. um, a breakfast joint. Uh, here here because there's none good by us um and then before the end of the year we're going to be opening up uh property rentals which uh, our holding company is called rare drop so it'll be rare drop properties and we're going to operate uh some rental properties around uh disney places like that and then uh we have friends that that do other things and we'll be working with them for that as well so it'll have we'll have a few different locations but that's that's sort of everything that's on the board right now the only thing that's actually going to be happening uh, before the end of 2018 is that the properties will be purchased and either being renovated or done. But I think the goal is to launch that in January, February next year. So I'm super curious here because the barcade, I mean, it makes sense. That's related to the industry. Even King's Coast makes sense because selling coffee through influencers well, makes logical sense. But what do you, why, why a breakfast nook and why getting into real estate? Because there's no, there's no good breakfast by me. It's the same reason we started a coffee company. So there's just no, no good, good coffee, coffee by you too. Which well, there's no good coffee by me. So, uh, by market analysis, that means that there are a lot of people that live in suburban areas like me, more than 20 minutes away from a city center, that don't have access to fresh roasted coffee. Um, fresh roasted meaning like less than a week old. Uh, they don't have access to that. So we, you know, designed our whole supply chain so that we could meet that need. Uh, same thing's happening right now uh, where I live. You know, where I live is a growing area in Tampa. So, you know, me and my business partners, Corey, uh, King Gathalian, and, and Kevin, K-Magic 101 over on Mixer, um, have identified the fact that there's not a good breakfast place out here. Um, whether it's like a quick and dirty sloppy drunk breakfast place or like a higher end uh, elevated breakfast place like that just doesn't exist. Um, so, you know, we've had, we're just kind of looking at real estate for that right now. Um, but we want to do that because it's, it's something that we want. Um, it's obviously high risk. Like that's the other reason why we didn't go for it right away was, you know, it's restaurants. So there's not like a lot there. Um, a lot of restaurants fail and, and there's like a lot of overhead and it takes a lot of time. So it's probably not something any of us can do while we continue to stream full time or unless we hire an outside manager. Um, but real estate's just, I mean, uh, especially around Disney world, which is near <laughs> where we live. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty consistent long-term evergreen investment. So the economy is good. Hey, let's go to Disney World. Let's save some money by going to this, you know, really nice, you know, rental home. Oh shit, the economy's bad. You know what would cheer up the kids? Disney World. Let's go to Disney World for a week. Let's save, <laughs> let's make sure we save money by going to this really nice vacation home. Um, and, uh, and so we, we did a lot of analysis on that. Uh, the other thing that we, really want to do at least from the property side as far as giving back 
is um, owning our own properties there makes it incredibly uh, financially possible for us to do incredible surprise and delight type stuff, whether it's for people on our stream, uh, wrapping it up with our fundraising efforts for GuardianCon, whether it's uh, you know, raffling off a slot to stay in the home for a week with your family, uh, or it's, um, you know, providing saying like, you know, the top overall donor of the charity marathon or stuff like this event gets to, you know, go stay there for a week for free. Um, you know, or even, you know, providing access to that home to the families of St. Jude, uh, if, you know, they are looking to go to Disney World, things like that. So having property that you own near a international uh, tourist destination just allows a lot of surprise and delight and, and making massive, you know, lifelong memories and impact for people that we can manage to, you know, fit into that property when we're operating it outside of the obvious like net, net positive financial gain. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That is actually I I would I'm very surprised to hear broadcasters who are doing these things that don't really seem tangentially related to Twitch or to content creation at all. Everything you have an opinion is on related that? to Twitch and content creation. That's the opinion. There we go. I agree. I think that's really interesting though because you just don't hear people doing that very often. Yeah, it's great. I like getting there first. It means that I get to win and then everyone else can come in second. <laughs> and that's incredibly overconfident, but like I have been you know, for a year and a half before we, a year before we launched King's Coast, I was talking about how content creators and streamers in particular should be starting their own businesses and people weren't doing it. And I kept seeing new players enter the space, new sponsors, you know, new companies. And they're just, you know, they're building their brands on the backs of influencers, which is fine. Like, you know, not everybody wants to own their own brand, but when you take the long view, when you take the 10 year lens and you put it on Twitch and you, and you put it on yourself as a broadcaster and you realize the energy output that you're doing, I don't give a shit how much you love streaming. Um, if you look at people who have been famous actors, there's very few of them that have done it their entire life. Famous musicians, very few of them have done it their entire life. Um, there, there are so few creative professions where people will go a lifetime, four decades in the industry without transitioning out or taking incredibly long breaks. Uh, incredibly long breaks is off the table for broadcasting. So you have to figure out how you're going to transition out. I don't care how big you are or how small you are. Uh, if you are doing it full time, whether you have 10 million followers across all your platforms or you have, uh, or you have, ten thousand. Um, you know, if you're going to do it full time, you need to you need to make sure that whatever you're doing is something that is building long term wealth and success for yourself. Um, and sometimes that means taking a smaller paycheck and investing in other things, um, whether that's you know holding onto your money and saving it so that way you can retire and live a great life because you're killing it and you're making hundred thousand dollars a month, which is some people's reality on Twitch, or you're making an above average living like myself and you decide to take everything that makes that above average and scalp all that money and turn it into, you know, money that you invest into yourself. Like I have an employee now and I'm actually looking at hiring employee two and three for myself before the end of the year. Um, you know, I bought a house because I needed to have a house and that was uh, like a, you know, I mean, as much as like I wanted a home, 
you know, I have a wife and that's something that we decided was important for us. Um, my biggest financial regret was I got a nice car and I was like, I, now, like literally I drive it around. And I'm like, I don't fucking care about this car. I could drive a Honda. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, so that's, that was my one that stung. And like, I'm talking, I'm talking really high-minded talk, but like, let me get super real. When I bought this car, I was like, this is going to like, this is great. This is going to make me feel so good. I drove it home and like the next day or the first month the money came out of my bank account to pay for it. I was like, I could have spent 80% of that money advertising on, on Facebook or Instagram. And I fucked up because now it's locked into that car for the next two years. It <sighs> stung. And, and I'm happy it was something so relatively small, right? Like I didn't buy a home where like that was the situation. Sure. Right? Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, so that like that stung. So like I have, I, I have this incredible passion in me to like educate other content creators is that like, it's cool to make a, make a killer living on Twitch. It is the absolute dream, but I have seen folks over and over and over again. Cause I've been on Twitch for six years, almost six. Oh, I've been involved on Twitch for six years. I've been streaming for five and a half. I've seen so many people's careers rise. The entire dialogue around them is this person is unstoppable. They're a force. Nothing will, nothing will stop their career. They're going to be making money hand over fist until they're dead. And then poof yeah. gone. And it can be a miss. It can be something as simple as a misstep, which is with uh, uh, leveraging too much into a game launch and you lose your audience to some, to some other person who picked another game that got more popular and now everyone watches them. Um, you know, so like, it's still, the onus is still on you. Like you made the bad call and someone else capitalized on it. Uh, but you know, like it could be something as simple as that. It can be something much more complicated. You could have a, a health issue. You can have a fucking heart attack or get diagnosed with, uh, with cancer or some disease that puts you out of commission for six months. Then you come back and no one's there. Um, you know, I, I've just seen so many people not prepare for the eventuality of the future. And I'm really, <laughs> I mean, it's one of the reasons why I did this podcast um, and I do my podcast is because I really want people to realize one, there's a fuck ton of options out there. And two, when you leverage everything that you have onto Twitch, you, you are literally building the world's tallest building on top of like a one square foot foundation and something can come over and knock that shit and you're fucking done. And you have to, well, you might, you might not be fucking done. You're probably really driven. You probably be able to rebuild yourself. You're not starting from zero, but I don't want to see people go through that fucking, you know, torture of rebuilding your life if they don't have to. There's so if you're so a content creator, there. <laughs> like you just, you just spewed so much valuable information, but finish your thought. Yeah. So if you're a content creator and you're out there and you're thinking you heard this and you went, Oh fuck. Um, here are the things that you can do, in my opinion, right now to start broadening your foundation. One, if you only stream on Twitch, make a YouTube channel. Um, there's a lot of software uh, that makes making a YouTube channel a lot easier. Uh, there are some uh, AI projects that I'm aware of that are going to make things like editing and all that stuff much easier for people as well. Uh, getting to the point where maybe you don't even need an editor anymore. Uh, like, you, you'll just know. You'll just have content to distribute. So make a YouTube channel now. Make a podcast or some form of audio distributed content now. Um, make sure that you're on Instagram. Make sure that you're on Facebook. 
Facebook and make sure that you are on uh, Twitter uh, and start driving your communities to those places now um, as much as you can and as hard as you can. Um, and you do that by, you know, you obviously make all the same content that you usually make contextualized and valuable on those platforms. It insulates you from a mistake, a misstep or a complete failure. Right. It spreads. Not everything's in one basket, so to speak. It spreads yeah. your, your community. Um, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic piece of advice. It's so valuable. There's so much information we could break down there. However, um, I do want to ask, I want to sort of take a couple steps back here and sure. talk about some of your other ventures that you're doing. I actually want to know, how did you get involved with and met with your partners, Corey, King Athalian, and Kevin, K-Magic? Um, so I met Corey through Twitch. Uh, I speedran Borderlands 2. He was a Borderlands 2 community moderator. We didn't actually meet until he started streaming. Um, but we met. Uh, we started playing a couple games together. Um, we both wanted to play Destiny at the same time. Uh, like when it came out. So we started playing games together there and playing with each other a lot. Um, and we sort of become fast. We became fast friends there. Uh, <clears throat> he started talking about moving down to Florida because there's no state tax down here. Big advantage if you're a content creator, no state tax. Uh, so my, my, uh, my then girlfriend and I came down and uh, <clears throat> visited them. We spent some time at Disney. Uh, and spending a year kind of looking at places and then we moved down here. Uh, Kevin, uh, I met through Corey. Uh, Kevin found out about us on Twitch. He was at Disney randomly the same time as Goth suggested uh, or as Corey uh, suggested that, you know, one of his friends texted him and said, hey, Corey's at Disney. You should see if he wants to get a beer. They got a beer and now we're all friends. And so was it just love ever after since you guys met or was there some sort of process you guys went through to decide you know hey we want to start these other businesses together um i mean like everything started because of guardian con so like we you know we had an accidental meetup in florida that had a thousand people um show up and uh in this sort of like debriefing time after that we had this discussion like what if we did that but we did it right and then we found out that kevin was an event manager that was something he had over a decade of experience in. And we were like, oh, like what kind? And he's like, oh, like conventions and all this other shit. Um, you know, like 20,000 person events and things like that. And I was like, oh. So we designed Guardian Con. Uh, and we ran that for, you know, the, the first couple years. You know, our two, after our first, after our second ticketed year, we realized that uh, all three of us had the same ambition to really build a life for ourselves outside of Twitch, you know, using the same, I mean, the same mentality that I just talked about, right? Like we are sure. all doing above average. So why not just scale back, do average and take the rest of the money and put it into things that would let us live, you know, unbelievable lives and do unbelievable good in the world. As long as we were willing to, you know, hold our breath for 10 years for that payout. That sounds uh, awesome. So we were, yeah, we were all on the same wavelength. Uh, so we did uh, Guardian Con for two years. We sort of had the revelation about coffee right after this second ticketed year for Guardian Con. Um, started that in September of last year. So we're actually <laughs> we're actually uh, about three months to the day recording this away from uh, our one year anniversary uh, as a company. Um, oh, hey, that's cool. 
Yeah. And, um, and yeah, that's, it's really exciting, man. <laughs> and then of so course you guys sort of have your other projects there. too. That's, that's really cool. I just want to make sure we touch into that. Cause I wanted to, I mean, that's obviously, that sounds like it's very formative, not just for your brand and everything, but for you as well. I mean, you spent years with these guys now. Um, trying yeah. to establish all these things. So they're definitely, we have, a, I mean, we have a good dynamic. Like when you find good friends, you find good friends. Um, agreed. you know, and that's, you know, we're, we're all a good balance for each other, not just in life, but in business as well. It keeps us from making mistakes because anytime no. one of us gets too far out in one direction, the other two are like, get back on the boat. Uh, it's, it's really good. It's really good. I've been reeled back in quite a few times. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure all of you have, without a doubt. I've seen some of it on the speakeasy, in fact. Um, yeah. Now, I kind of want to... I'd be remiss if I didn't take advantage of this, because you obviously do the Ask Broman podcast, if no one knows. Can you quickly tell everyone about how your podcast goes and what you do? Um, so my podcast is called The Broman Podcast. Basically, I realized there wasn't really a lot of resources out there for anyone who wanted to do content creation as a living, no matter where they wanted to do it. So I started the tentpole program on that called Ask Broman, which is call-in show. Uh, we will, you know, sometimes I do it solo. Uh, and other times I'll, you know, do an interview like this followed by some call-in questions for the two people that we have. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, if you're interested in doing content creation, hopefully these conversations have proven that I'm worthy of listening to. Uh, and if you want to check out my podcast, it's just The Broman Podcast. It's everywhere. Okay, so, and what I was ultimately leading to is by bringing you on here, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least ask you some questions related to Twitch and content creation and sure. sort of delve into that a little bit because you have a lot of experience here that I think a lot of people would find very valuable um, and I'm sure do all the time. And this is probably yeah. stuff that you've touched on before with the podcast itself, but I want to hit some of the hot topics real fast. What are your yeah. opinions right now on multi-streaming? I think multi-streaming is interesting, but I think that until it has a really rich feature set on the user side that makes it make sense, um, it's not the best move. Sure, do you, can you elaborate slightly? So like uh, it's a fragmented user, it's a fragmented end user experience. Mm -hmm. Someone talking on Facebook isn't connecting with somebody who's on Twitter, who's not connecting with somebody who's on Mixer, who's not connecting with somebody who's on Twitch. Um, so that makes it really hard for you to interact with everybody without getting constantly, wait, who's he talking to? What are you talking to? Well, who's she talking to? I don't understand. Um, right. so the tech is there on the broadcast end. It's just not there on the, for the end user. Sure. So what about broadcasting to these other platforms? And I mean, we know everyone's seeing it where Facebook and Mixer are kind of stepping yes. up and bringing mm -hmm. other content creators to these other platforms. What's your opinion on it? I called it two years ago. <laughs> yeah. My opinion is that it is necessary for the space to grow and for viewers and streamers to get better experiences. For the streamers, it will mean better comp compensation. For the viewers, it will mean a better feature set um, on every platform for consuming content. Do you have a prediction for any of these platforms? Do you think that any, even any of them are going to step up in particular to battle I'm not, that with Twitch? I'm not... I'm not going to claim that I'm smart enough to know who's going to win the title <laughs> fight. Right. I know that everyone's in there throwing punches now. Um, mm -hmm. And I called the fight, you know, a year ago. Uh, but I mean, I think that the trend is going to be uh, each one of these platforms is going to start crafting contracts that make people exclusive. And so 
it's going to be like, do you want the Dr. Lupo experience? It's exclusive to Twitch. And while that might seem like ridiculous advertising now, I think in three or four, uh, maybe, I mean, maybe even just two years from now, depending on the rate, like that could be huge. Like get the Dr. Lupo experience on Twitch. Or if somebody, you know, purchases a content, you know, get the, you know, the only place on the internet to get the Professor Broman experience is over here on the unnamed Player 4's platform, right. which is also an option. Um, you know, because content platforms are realizing that they do not have a platform without the creators and the creators have realized that too which is why the creators are signing you know these contracts that bring them to other places than where they started because it's i mean at the end of the day it's about dollars and cents if you can continue to do what you love but make more money doing it somewhere else that is the definition of how the silicon valley tech world has existed for over a decade sure um, so I think that, I think that we're going to see it become like the old Hollywood system. What do you mean by the uh, old Hollywood system? Old Hollywood system. You want to, you, the only, you know, so stars used to be contracted to studios. So you could only see a movie with this actor or actress in it. If you went and saw an MGM film. Gotcha. Okay. They were never in films that were not MGM films. Um, so I think that's what the streaming space is going to look like soon. People are going to be very locked in which I think is going to be good um, for them. And by them, I mean us who make the content. Right. Um, and uh, you can even see like the pressure that's happening. You know, Mixer had its FTL, which is zero latency streaming. And magically, Twitch suddenly <laughs> decides to roll out uh, something that they took away four years ago, four and a half years ago which was their zero latency or near zero latency streaming software. So it also creates tech competitiveness. Um, and then you have Facebook who's in the space now with 2 billion installed users and uh, titanic advertising and marketing spaces that they can use to elevate the, uh, I think it's uh, Facebook.gg, uh, Facebook gaming that they are building out. Yeah, which is which is something that they need slash want to do as yes. a company because they want to retain, you know, that younger audience on Facebook that is starting to migrate to other platforms, mostly Instagram, which they also own, but still. Right. And now honestly, and this sort of brings up an interesting question, two interesting questions, truth be told. But the most or at least I think the most important one right now is do you think Facebook is going to move Instagram to be used as their gaming platform? Or do you think they're going to keep that separate? No, I think Instagram has too much cultural value as something that's far reaching. So you think it's already too ingrained? I mean, if you look at like the fitness space and the music space, primarily hip hop on, on uh, Instagram, it's, it's unfucking real. Um, like the, uh, like, I mean, to take all of that and throw it in the dumpster uh, and say Instagram is just gaming now would be a monumental mistake. Oh, sure. I don't necessarily mean just gaming, but I mean Facebook making the push for Instagram to be their their face of gaming simply I because it's already a visual medium. I think that the push is going to come from the content creators, not from... I think the push is going to come from people scrapping to get you know, more attention on their content. There's not a lot of gaming content on Instagram. Agreed. Um, um, that's why I put out a lot of gaming content on Instagram and it's done pretty good. I mean, you know, it's like I don't have the most followers in the universe, 
but if you're making Fortnite, Fortnite content consistently and you're not posting on Instagram, you've you've missed out on the 300,000 free followers that you would get just by doing that every day. Oh yeah, from the hashtags, I'm sure. It's gotta be insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's another question I wanted to follow up with on top of that as well. You alluded to it, uh, sort of this mysterious fourth player. Do you feel like the industry right now or this space is conducive to a fourth player jumping in right now? I never rule out the concept of a fourth player. So you think a dark horse is possible? Always in every industry. No, that's fair. I'm just curious deny, simply because like there's a lot of potential reality is to is to ignore something that history has taught us over and over again. It's very true. There's just a lot of cultural loyalty right now with brands. Um, and like obviously with the platforms themselves that a lot of us are trying to break or shake you know, away brand from. loyalty is built off the back of marketing and yep. marketing is in an interesting place right now. Um, it's very heavily focused on influencers, which is why when we launched our brand as influencers ourselves, we, we were able to leverage the actual millions of dollars of advertising revenue, you know, that we are making other people into advertising revenue that we were getting at spec for free for our brands. Um, and that's why, you know, guardian con grew as fast as it did. Um, and that's why Kings coast grew as fast as it did. And that's why we're hoping that every other thing that we engage in will grow as fast as it does. And now we're getting more dangerous because you'll notice I said that I was the CMO, which is, uh, you know, I'm the chief marketing officer. Mm Mm-hmm for Kings Coast, we're getting more dangerous because as we're getting more capital from these companies or from our companies, we're rolling them back into marketing since we're already getting some of the most effective marketing on the fucking planet, which is influencer marketing, Twitch specifically agreed is insanely impactful and the market forces have not realized how valuable it is yet. Um, The, the, you know, now we're starting to learn how to operate on on Facebook and Instagram and do advertising there, um, which is just going to accelerate what's already been going so well. My favorite story to tell about this is we did an ad spend on Facebook that was, I mean, I can't believe how little it was. It was a significant amount of money, but uh, we launched hot chocolate over the holidays and 50% of our sales from the hot chocolate came from this Facebook advertisement. Um, That's interesting. Were you guys targeting people who are already following you guys or we were targeting (laughs) we were targeting people within 25 miles of Port Jefferson, New York. Oh, wait, that's it. That's where we roast and ship out of. So it was just local. All of our targeting is based. All of our ad targeting right now is based off of local ad targeting for uh, Long Island, because that's one of the other reasons we started the company was that the three of the owners, the, our two logistics and roasting people, and then Kevin are from Long Island. And there was no sort of local war coffee shop there. There's a lot of people making coffee products, no one making whole bean there. So that's why we decided to, instead of uh, basing our operation in Florida, to base it out of Long Island, New York, so we could capture the local market while we were doing online direct delivery. Now, that's really interesting because, you know, 50% of revenue coming from a Facebook ad is kind of insane, right? I'm sure you know that. It doesn't sound insane based off of how I know Facebook, but it sounds nuts when, when like, to me, it doesn't sound crazy anymore, but like, it, that's how effective it is. That's how, right. that's like when people are ignoring Facebook, like you're shitting the fucking bed, um, <laughs> like hard. Um, when I advertise my, like a big 
part of my podcast growth has been because I spend money consistently on advertising to fans of Twitch and podcasts on, on Facebook. You know, 25 to $50 every time I put an episode out goes towards, um, you know, acquiring new people for that. And that's a net, ne that's a net negative action for me, right? Like I'm not making money off of this podcast. I'm only doing it to build a community because right now it's so easy to, because fuck organic growth. Like if you can get organic growth, that's awesome. If you can pay for growth too, that's better because if you have great quality stuff, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah. I'm, you know, I don't have yeah. any qualms <laughs> about spending money on advertising my content, especially the podcast, because I know that everyone who listens to it is going to have a better life after they listen to it. I love yeah. that you just said screw organic growth because that's such, it's something that people, they latch onto that term so hard, but truthfully, if you can pay for people to come to you and they ultimately stick, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter at all. That's such a valuable point. Oh my God. You now can I am overdo it 100%. Oh yeah. But I think that it's, it's, you know, it's, you have to find the balance, but like, there's no reason not to pay to advertise all the stuff that you do on Facebook right now. It, it, it really pays, it, it, it pays itself back. And after Facebook, there will be something else that you can advertise on, you know, to get attention. And I'm kind of curious, did, uh, do you feel like advertising podcasts in particular is doing well on Facebook for you? Yeah. Okay. So my other question to follow it up with is, so if podcasts would do well, do you think it's worth it for a content creator to advertise their stream, even if they're not streaming on it's Facebook? Weird. Uh, I tried it. I tried to demo a lot of ad spending around the launch of Destiny Two, and I didn't notice an impact on my metrics. Um, so I don't know if that was a lack of creative or a lack of targeting, or just it was one too many steps too far. So I'll get back to you on it. I don't know. I don't have a full answer for that yet. Okay. I was just curious what your opinion of that on, because it sounds like you've done quite a bit of advertising for a lot of your different brands. I just don't know. Have you done anything in particular for your stream itself in terms of ad, you spending ad money? Um, I mean that, um, and, but no, I mean, I mostly spend my ad money on, on content that is delivery on demand. So podcasts and YouTube videos. Okay, good. That's actually really, really valuable advice simply because that's going to encourage, hopefully encourage people to say, hey, maybe I should be putting my content out there on other platforms at the same time, um, mm -hmm. especially unique content that's native to that platform itself. That cannot be that cannot be emphasized enough. And I know you've talked about it to no end, certainly. We'll rein this back in a little bit because we are getting close to our hour here. Um, so sure. I want to get a couple more questions in and then we'll shut this whole shindig down. And I wanted to ask, this is very important for people. Do you feel like there were any challenges that you faced that were very critical um, in terms of your own personal growth when it came to growing your brand, growing your, your content? Um, personal challenges? Yes. Um, I spent a year focusing on my numbers way too much and focusing on doing everything I could to grow the numbers instead of the community. So I was focusing on numbers over people. That was probably all of year. I won't put a year on it. I'll let everyone try and guess when it was. Um, but I think that that was kind of my biggest, like my, my biggest mistake or regret was falling victim to that. Cause I still cared about people, but I would, I leaned too far into the idea of whatever I have to do for growth. Right. What did you do to kind of get over that? Was it just not look at your viewer count? Um, yeah, I would just, I just closed everything. I stopped looking at my viewer account. I stopped looking at my follower account. I stopped looking at my sub count. I still don't look at any of those numbers. Fantastic. All right. And then the other question is, 
since we're getting to the end. I mean, here. like I look at them once a month, so I know how much money I'm going to get paid. But like, right, right, the basic stuff, the normal things, yeah, your yeah, business yeah, yeah. side things, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I know like, I understand. I, I feel that. the exact same way. I don't have any of that information up while I'm streaming. Right. And that's actually a piece of advice I try to give to people is don't worry about the numbers, worry about the people, obviously. And there's a thousand different ways to word that. And I'm sure you've heard all of them. And so my next question is, what are the next steps going to be for you personally as Ben, not as Professor Broman? What are you going to do next? What are your next goals? What am I doing next? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, tonight I'm going to hang out with my wife. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. trying to lose... Uh, Trying to lose like uh, 30, 40 pounds and trying to finally get back in shape. Um, I am trying to... Uh, uh, all this business stuff, man. I mean, my life right now really is work. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I get it. Uh, I don't... You know, I'm, I'm working on just a lot of stuff right now in order to give myself more free time in the future. I, I, I constantly, I'll give you, you want a nugget? You want a little, no one's no one else has heard this shit before. Oh, you don't have to, but sure. Yeah, let's go. No, I'll do it because it's very applicable and you ask the right question. And I like that. So I tweet about, um, if you go back through my Twitter timeline three times this year, I've already referenced that like people aren't ready for what's going to be happening in 2021. I have very strong feelings that the the big payoff point for a lot of these moments that we've been investing in as a company, um, whether it's King's Coast, Guardian Con, all this other stuff, you know, I do all this so that I have freedom, so that streaming becomes a choice. So that if I want to take a, a month off or two weeks off, like the average American worker, just a normal fucking vacation, <laughs> yeah. I can do that. You know, so like I'm working towards that right now, but you have to earn your dinner. Like that's how I was raised. But, you know, I'm, I, I think that by the time that I'm 34, um, you know, taking four weeks of vacation a year is something that might be a reality. So basically what you're telling me you're working towards right now or what Broman's been working towards is, I mean, you put in, oh, I don't know, how many hours do you think? 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours of streaming. So you can finally take off a couple of weeks. <laughs> like. <laughs> I think that's probably worth no, it. And that's I mean, just my, streaming. My goal is, I mean, well, I streamed, I streamed two and a half years every single day, 12 to 16 hours before I started taking a consistent day off. And I still started taking a consistent day off the, at the, uh, out of like the love and desire for me to be with my wife or Amy. Um, and, uh, you know, but if it was just me, I probably would have waited another year before I started doing that. Um, and like right now, I, I don't have a consistent day off anymore. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I really, like I'm incredibly passionate about a lot more things than just, than just Twitch now. You know, Twitch is so incredibly important. But I, I want so badly to be able to move outside of the space with the same level of momentum and influence that, um, it's really driving a lot of my behavior. And so, you know, 2021 is the year that I think that, um, you know, I, I see everything going on in the background, but I feel like that's the year that everyone's going to see everything on the foreground. That like, wow, Ben really is different. You know, like whatever, whatever comes after that, then he really is different than the person that I saw on Twitch you know, six years ago. That is um, actually fantastic insight. Truth be told. 
yeah and that's so that's for me like that's what i want like i that's um and that's not to say like i hate twitch or i want to abandon it sure just how some people interpret this right. sort of a conversation it's it's that twitch has afforded me such an incredible opportunity and i would honestly be ridden with fucking guilt for the rest of my life if i didn't take this opportunity that i've been given and try and turn it into so much more for so many more people like if we can grow king's coast to the point where it's employing uh you know 100 adults with disabilities and combat vets um along with the rest of the workforce that we'll have you know if if uh if if we grow guardian con to the point i mean my personal goal for guardian con is to grow it to the point where guardian con or whatever affiliated efforts or whatever we merge into um raises 10% of the funds necessary for St. Jude to operate annually. Um, you know, or rare drop properties is providing year round, you know, at one of the places at one, at, for every single week of the year, there's a family that is staying there. There's, you know, a family that is poor or in need or whatever. Um, whether it's someone coming from St. Jude or it's somebody who just hasn't had a vacation and they wrote us a really kick-ass letter and, they're fucking like, you know, this is my dad and he's worked 20 years straight, five jobs. We've never had a vacation. We're like, fucking guess what you get for a month. Come have a vacation, you know, like whatever, like stuff like that. Like I have the opportunity, you know, me and Kevin and Corey all have that opportunity to build that together now because of Twitch. Um, so that is my way forward um, is to is to not be irresponsible with what I've been given. Um, <laughs> that is wickedly I, uh, powerful. Yeah, I mean that's uh, to go way back. Um, you know, I was raised. Uh, I was raised in a very religious family, and one of my favorite parables is about you know, there's three men, and they're all given different amounts of money. One man buries the money in the ground, and you know that man is a fool. And the other people, they invest their money. They they do things with it. They take what has been given to them and they give it to others and it comes back, you know, tenfold, fivefold, whatever. And that is very applicable to my life and how I approach things. So like right now I have been given much and much internally because much has been given to me, I expect much of myself. Uh, so growing these businesses and whatever comes afterwards from this foundation is, is, uh, is key. And I, and I, you know, I think that honestly, if you, if I were to look at myself really subjectively, it's probably going to be like a big engine. Like I'm going to get really into all this shit and I'm going to be making content around all that stuff as well. And then like, eventually like, I'm going to be like, you know what, like, let's just go back into stream mode for a while. So like, who knows, like 10 years from now, like, like, uh, uh, let's, let's say like, uh, let's say like 2030, little like 12 years from now, 2030, I might be back full-time streaming on Twitch because I've, I've done all that other stuff and it's running and now I have the freedom to just stream video games on the internet whenever I want. You make the I don't future know sound very bright, be. man. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, let it yeah. be known here and now that, that Ben truly, truly, truly wants to be a force of good in the world. And it sounds like it. Everything you say seems to revolve around that. Your core values seem to revolve around that. That is awesome. Because yeah, a lot of broadcasters say it, but it definitely seems like the work you're putting in shows it. And that is fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I care about that particular thing you just said more than anything else anyone could ever say to me. Well, yeah. I mean, everything you said seems to revolve around that singular core value. And I'm sure there are more, 
but it definitely feels like that's a driving force. And I, I hope, and I'm sure everyone will see that. I, I am inspired by this conversation. So I hope everyone else is too. Is there anything about your story that you feel like we haven't touched on that you want to share? I had incredible parents growing up. I, you know, grew up in the Midwest. Uh, you know, <laughs> I am a white male that was born in the Midwest. Like I, I was born on life's, you know, 50 yard line with the ball in possession going towards goal. Like I fucking understand that the beginning of my life had a great start. And this is something I've been trying to talk about more often. Um, I walked away from a lot of that. I mean, like I, I was blessed by having incredible parents that educated me properly, but like, you know, so I came from a good place, but I walked away from that to become my own person. Um, and I worked minimum wage jobs from the age I was 18 until I turned 26. Um, actually, I mean, and then, you know, like I had some unemployment stints in there. Um, I, I lived five of those years, almost homeless, like paycheck to paycheck. If you've been there, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, you know, you're one, you're one week of cut hours away from like not making rent. Right. And, um, you know, three of those years I had to sell my blood plasma for food. And I did all of that because I, I didn't want the safety net. I wanted to prove that I can, you know, make it on my own. And I wanted to prove that, that I, um, uh, I could hack it and that, <clears throat> you know, I could be an adult. Um, so all of the awesome stuff that, that I believe in right now and like my drive and like the foundations of who I am, that all comes from that, like that suffering. Like I would have rather, I would have become homeless before I went back home to my parents just for clarification. If, if, if you're out there and you're listening to all this and you're going through some bad shit, that bad shit becomes the fuel in your engine to make you a great person. Um, it's what made me who I am. It's why I will never give up. It's why I am constantly focused on doing good to people around me and trying to help people who don't have anything because I know what it's like to have fucking nothing. I know what it's like to eat peanut butter and ramen for months on end. Um, I know what it's like to monitor my protein intake so I don't fail the, the protein level test so that, and, and if I do that, I don't get to eat for two weeks, which fucks everything up. <laughs> like I right. because I can't donate plasma so I don't have my $60 grocery bill so if you've been through it I don't want you to hear everything that I've, I've done and know that it's just been handed to me I had incredible parents and, and I, I came from a relatively fortunate circumstance but you know the being willing to go through your suffering and being willing to, to fight through it um, matters so whether you lived a life like me and you stuck with it and like everything is still great and you're super fortunate or if you have always had a shit life and everything fucking sucks and it's garbage um, or you're anywhere in between with whatever path you've taken, realize that like who you are right now doesn't have to determine who you are in the future. You just have to start implementing every day. Like You have to touch base with who you are, figure it out. And then after you figure it out, move forward. That's the only thing I didn't get to talk about was that I've been through some shit. <laughs> no, that's, that's good clarification for your story. That's a, that's very valuable. Yeah. It, definitely to let people know you, you didn't have it easy. All right. So as we, as we get to the close here, 
because I know you've got some stuff you need to do. There's a little section we do at the very end. It's about 60 okay. seconds. I'm going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions, and I need you to fire off as quick as you can. One, an first one answer word that comes. answers? Yeah, well, as close to one word answers as we can get. Um, some of them may be a little bit more complicated, but you got to be quick, all right? Sure. All right, let's do this. If you're lying in bed at night, what app on your phone is keeping you up? Coinbase. If you were a hamster, would you use your running wheel? All the time. Name your favorite video game skill. Mm, superpowers. What game character would you choose to go ice skating with? Luigi. Is a hot dog on a bun a sandwich? Yes. What is your favorite color? Green. Uh, it's a zombie apocalypse. What is your weapon of choice? <laughs> Nuclear bombs. <laughs> All right. Pog Champ or Kappa? Pog Champ. What's your favorite band? Band? Coheed and Cambria. Ooh. Uh, what is your current sub sound? Uh, yar. Mini golf or real golf? Uh, mini golf. Uh, what is your favorite texting emoji? Uh, thumbs up. All right, last two. You're trapped on an island with one content creator. Who is it? One? One. It'd be goth. Oh, Broman hates Kevin. All right, Twitch added the new chat rooms feature. Like or dislike? Pointless. Ooh, strong word. All right, man, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, can you give our listeners one piece of advice or maybe if you want to emphasize on some of the stuff you've already talked about, uh, if they wanted to follow in your footsteps, which you kind of already just touched on, but is there anything else you may want to add? If I could give everybody one piece of advice, there's something in your life that you want to do, but you're not doing it. Why aren't you starting that yet? My advice is the answer to that question. That's fantastic. All right, Ben, is there, I mean, you have a lot of different content all over the web. What are your most prominent places and where sure. can our li listeners find you, man? Uh, if you want to come catch me, I'm online daily at twitch.tv slash Professor Broman. Uh, I also operate a YouTube channel, Professor Broman. Um, but uh, since this is audio forward, uh, the Broman podcast is the number one best piece of content I put out from all my content. Um, so if you could do me the great favor of checking that out after you listen to this, I'd greatly appreciate it. We'll link it in the description, man. Are those the two big ones or three big ones? Numbers are That's hard. it, man. All right. Follow cool. me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me everywhere else. It's all <laughs> Professor Bro, man. But those are the big ones. Isn't YouTube different? Uh, it's, YouTube is Ben WCA. Okay, there we go. Wanted to get wanted to get as many of those as we could. And guys, go back in the podcast if you need to to find those. Ben, thank you so much for being a part of this, man. I know you're a busy thank guy. You. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. This has been fantastic, man. And if you want to do it again, you let me know. All right. All right, I will. All right, thank you, bud. <laughs> Guys, what a very real and gritty episode. I hope you all enjoyed the third episode of the Go Live podcast with Ben, Professor Broman, as he is known across platforms. This was truly a unique experience, and I feel like I learned a lot. So I hope all of you did as well. If you want to keep up with me, my name is Sir Slaw. You can find me at sirslaw.tv for all of my content. On Instagram and on Twitch, you can find me at sirslaw. And on Twitter, you can find me at SirSlaw underscore. Anyways, guys, I truly hope you had a fantastic time. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you on the very next episode. Much love.